Welcome, everyone, to the Brandology Podcast. We want this to be something that we ourselves find value in and want to listen to. I'm your host, Mark Mosier. Alongside me is co-host David Morrow. Each episode, we explore leadership, culture, brands, and interview leading business professionals and civic leaders. We also play brand culture trivia against our guests to make the experience entertaining and fun. So come join us and enjoy. And please don't forget to download the episodes and leave us a review. Thanks. Let's begin. Yeah, I, I have I have spoken about it enough and talked about it enough. And it's out there. Interrogated by my family and my spouse and friends okay. where I have plenty that can be in that forum. Okay. <laughs> plenty of content. So excellent, excellent. Good. Are you gonna do uh, uh, brand culture trivia? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, okay. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. Yeah. I, I want really to see. Bad. I want to see a Navy SEAL kick your ass. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was. I I listened. I think it was Mike's, and you guys were. You know, maybe she's born, maybe, and I'm like Maybelline. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm also a child of the '80s, so I got a lot of useless pop culture knowledge in here. That's, That's great. This will be a good one then. Okay. All right. All right, well, kick us off, David. Okay, well, welcome, everyone, to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, David Morrow. Uh, on Veterans Day, we have a very special guest, uh, Andrew Zwerner, with us. Um, and as always, in the studio with me is my illustrious co-host, Mark Mosher. Mark, how are I, I you, I love man? the illustrious moniker. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a real stretch of the imagination. It is from that app, man. I don't know what the name of that app is, but I'm sure they're... Uh, unsincere, complimentary terms sincere to things, tell people. Sincere things to say to coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> what do I call Mark today? You, you must have gotten the pro version, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I pay for it, right? There's a free version, but right. I've got to, for you, I've got to pay for it. Let so, me tell you, Andrew, first of all, thank you so much for being here, and even more thank so, you. thank you for your service to our country. We appreciate you, and we're proud of you, and thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thank, thank you for that, and thank you for the opportunity to join you guys today. Well, Excellent. thank you so much, especially on Veterans Day, so that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw some of your posts uh, uh, on LinkedIn today. Uh, for, for Veterans Day, and I can't, we, we, we're, we're absolutely honored. Thank you so much for what you've done for the country. I, I um, appreciate So let's get started. So tell us, um, I mean, we're going to talk about your stint in the um, um, intelligence in the U.S. Navy, and then migrating to the FBI, but then in private industry where you sit today. Yep. What, uh, tell us, just, uh, just give some background, who, you know, what do you do now? What's your current role? And, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll backtrack from there. You got it. Um, it is a meandering journey, so you yep. might need a, need a vomit bag for all the twists and turns and stuff <laughs> on the backtracking. So I'm the CEO of Chassis. We are a software or a SaaS startup with a cloud-based application. We're focusing on powering uh, manufacturers and wholesale distributors of what we call unmatched operational visibility. Um, I imagine I'd be happy to talk through that, or if you got questions later, I could talk to you about what we're doing and why we're excited about the imaging channel. Yeah, well, so I do. I've got before we before we go backwards, let's go forward yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I like um, you had mentioned you had referred to uh, your platform your application is uh, similar to something like uh, Waze, like real time traffic. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe if you could break that down a little bit, yeah, I think people yeah, would you. really understand yeah. that. I'd be happy to. So I'm going to provide a little context. So if you're running a business that has any, uh, a key operational process, like quote to cash, right? Orders come in, you need, you have a lot of people doing a lot of work along the way, entering orders into a system, um, making sure if there's hardware it needs to be distributed and service and all that work that happens. Today, all of that work runs often on uh, the software backbone of what's called like an ERP. And then there's obviously similar type of systems, right? Those systems are powerful systems, but you think of them as effectively financial software. So it's great when it tells you what your cost of goods last month was, but it doesn't tell you right now, you got a bottleneck in QA, and if you don't fix it in 30 minutes, that order's not going out the door, and you're gonna have a pissed off customer a week from right. call. Yeah. So anyone who runs the business and runs those operations, they're almost in firefighter mode. And so we say you're blind and disoriented towards the issues that are, that are um, presenting themselves. So what we do is we, in that, that Google Maps or that Waze analogy that you brought up, Mark, was um, we connect into that system in ERP with our software solution. And you can almost think of us as sensors where we grab 
every activity that people, uh, every, every click, every window that's open, all of that, we grab all of it and we stream it out of that system into our cloud. Okay. We then model it mathematically and provide an app back. So all the customer sees is our app. And within three seconds of somebody working inside of that system in, in sales order entry or working on an invoice, you'll see it in chassis. And we give the context and the clarity around who's doing what, am I fast, am I slow? How are they performing relative to their peer group, to the team? Where are we with our goals? So what we wanna do is go from a paradigm of fragmented, siloed blindness, what's happening, right. to real time dynamism, high fidelity streaming view of your business 24 seven, that effectively for that, that Google Maps analogy, just gives that business leader what they need to know. Uh oh, problem here, turn left, turn right. right exactly, yeah. right. And so I thought that made so much sense that, but you guys are really kind of in a niche that to that market space, right? I mean, you, there's not, nobody's really gone down that, that path of that single pane of glass for those processes. Correct, correct. Boy, you're, 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 you're hitting on it. And I need to pull you in some of our marketing conversations. <laughs> so That's a sales guy coming out of me. <laughs> and so there's a bigger, you know, th this problem, manifest not just inside of ERPs, but just about any enterprise software system, CRM, right. human capital management, like, you know, um, uh, warehouse management systems, you name it. So you think of those systems as they're complex with a lot of capability. A lot of them were developed a long time ago, so they don't right. exactly have great user interfaces, et cetera. Right. And they're opaque. And so you need to, if you're a customer of one of those systems, you effectively need to fight your way to the truth to find out what's actually going on right now. And that's costly and it's it's a laborious process. So you hire consultants or analysts and then you pay for BI tools and you have these heavy subscription fees. But the problem is one, you're looking at old data. Any way you do that, you're not looking at right now, you're looking at last week, last quarter. Right. Two, you're at the mercy of both the subjectivity and the proficiency of the people doing the mining. Right. So you have people who are doing that work with tools and three and perhaps the most importantly, what our big differentiator is at Chassis is you are in that model. You're beholden to the data that's in your database. Right. So an ERP, for example, does not save every click and activity in the database because it's not germane to the general ledger. It'll just show you this invoice was completed at this time and all of the clicking and pathing and how long it took and inefficiency, none of that information is there to be analyzed. Right. So we obviate that model, we go, screw it, we're gonna grab all of that and then we'll sort it. So we grab every haystack and then we pull all of the needles out of it as it were, and then show that back to the customer. So they see intuitively, oh, you know, he's having a rough day today. I've seen that before. Let's go get him some help and let's work in whatever that area or whatever that problem might be. So they just kind of stay, go from firefighter to fire inspector. So, yeah. So th That's this would be an application layer on top of something like Forza, right? Very, absolutely. So okay. almost like, you know, the, the, the client would still use Forza. Right, of course, we, right. Right, but we would give them a view. So per your point, almost like an abstraction where um, instead of kind of mining through the database in Forza, they'll have chassis open and see across the business. And so if you if you run a dealership and you have distributed teams, right, right not working from home, COVID, any of that, right. you have no idea empirically what's happening at any given moment across that whole team. Right, that's alone, exactly right. Let alone what the inefficiency is, what does that cost yeah. you, how do I provide training, all of that. And so that visibility, David, that you alluded to, we then we that we demystify all of that, and we right. show that. Right. And it's not about and it's not about monitoring or micromanaging employees. It's about being able to coach them better because we want to be able to be like, look, here's your strengths, and look at all this other admin stuff that's clearly getting in your way, exactly. or this right. So so let's let's help you remove those roadblocks, and then you can focus on what you love to do. And that is, oh, that is love exactly that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so everybody wants to be seen and they want their work to matter. Like that oh, is fun. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. My I, I work with a guy who needs to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody but, craves but, attention. He's like a little puppy dog. <laughs> if you if you went to work every day and you had no idea, you 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 labored for eight to ten hours and you had no idea 
hey, did I make a difference? Right, what exactly. Am I making an impact? Exactly. Doing the right thing. Like, imagine the level of psychological and physical engagement you're gonna you're gonna have. It's not. It's not. And that's why you see a lot of churn, particularly for like Gen Z and millennial folks who grew up in front of a screen and then they're being asked to work in like an ugly interface and an old system. Right. Yeah, it just doesn't work well. It doesn't work. And so we're like, hey, wait a minute. Exactly. Your point, Dave, is like. We'll give you visibility. That alone, like, unveils right. a whole new kind of psychological Absolutely. work. And then, if you can create alignment, where like a frontline worker and manager, all the way up to ownership of the business, understands who's doing what and what happens, you can then come together and and, and do more, right? So just the very right. bump of like, wow, now I see what my work is. It, it can have a really accretive effect on the business. So how did you how did you get hooked up with the imaging channel? Like, how did you get to dealers in the print imaging industry? Like, how how did, how did that come about? Yeah, great question. So we've been looking because that's an interesting arc, you know, yep. like Navy Seal, FBI, <laughs> printing, print imaging, imaging guy. Like, how did you wind up in our sphere? Is what I, I promise. Was. There's connective tissue there, right. <laughs> so I can walk you through the chronology shortly, but. Um, you know, we've been looking for, I'd say last summer, last fall, so it's now November 2020, so um, I guess August time frame of 19, we moved our business into um, SMBs for manufacturing and wholesale distribution. Right? Okay. So that was kind of the first move into, all right, you have businesses that have tightly defined processes with a lot of volume and a lot of repetition, mm-hmm. and they're using antiquated systems that don't give them a real view of what's going well, on. Well, that is the imaging channel. Like, but that, like, everywhere. It's, so no, I just, yeah, you just answered my question. Then. Yeah, it, it's, and so specifically, it was yeah. Mike Somali, right? So right. I had been doing- He was on our show and he he actually knew my dad and stuff and got it. He's up. a great guy. He's, he's an he's, awesome dude. Yeah. We could spend the next hour talking about him. Oh yeah, he's I a love character too. <laughs> the it's godfather of print, yeah. So, I, I found him and look, I found him not knowing who he was and really much about this because yeah. he built- Forza on top of SAP Business One, right. and we are connected into SAP Business One at Chassis. Right. Okay. So uh, I, found him okay. On, I found him on LinkedIn. Remember, I'm a former FBI agent and intelligence <laughs> officer who right. had to go find people who didn't want to be found around the world. So if I have one skill set, it's building a target team. I would love to see your prospect list. (laughs) Your prospect list is like, I've got this. He likes chocolate donuts. (laughs) His kid goes to play soccer on Tuesdays. I've got it all right here. That's called the pattern of life. You build a pattern of life. I reached out to Mike Cole, and he was gracious enough. This was right after he he left, kind of Malta. Um, we're both in Scottsdale, Arizona. I said, you know, we were both veterans and, and um, I just wanted to ask him questions, frankly, because I almost didn't know what I didn't know at that point. Mm-hmm. He was gracious enough. He gave me some time on a phone call and then it went to like, all right, there's something here between us personally, between the, the channel, yeah. between what we're doing. And he, his, his, you know, as he tells it, he's like, had I had chassis, Right, so many deployments which are challenging. So many businesses who are terrified of moving onto that system because they don't know where it's going to go wrong. This could help us overcome so much of that, and that's kind of really the genesis of our relationship. That's very cool. That's great. You know, it almost sounds like um, like your platform provides for something David and I really uh, believe in is kind of a fundamental foundation for us. um, That it almost helps with culture in an organization, right? Because now everybody sees the impact, everybody sees the work, now they understand what their impact was. And, you know, David, I believe that when you have culture like that, when people are a part of the vision and buy into what the goal is and want to drive and move the needle forward, that, yeah, that that increase in culture can actually increase in business. And that's exactly what it sounds like the platform is. Maybe that's a little grand. No, no, you're, 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 so Simon Sinek talks about start with why. Right? What? Like, <laughs> I have a guess. Quote I knew I like this guy. I, I possibly like have the guy. best guess we've ever had. That's great. <laughs> I knew I like this guy. Well, so what we're talking about, what we just talked about is what and how. Right. Yep. Now we're getting to the heart of it, which is a why. And exactly. so there's an expression we, we invoke all the time here at, at um, Chassis, which is that a person's greatest burden is unfulfilled potential. And so if you think about that and then beyond an individual, but an organization or a team. Now, remember, 
you know, I'm a little biased. I came from what was arguably the highest performance team on the planet at that, yeah. uh, that skill unit. But, but, but as you bring that up, Mark, the reason is a, a, a number of things. One, um, you know, there are three elements that a team has that a, that a group doesn't. Purpose, alignment, and trust. And so first, when you talk to purpose, when you have that work that is seen, and then you can understand you, you're, you're, you're removing subjectivity and then you're allowing people to basically, oh, okay, I am here. And if I have to get to there in order to fulfill my potential, then you'll get that engagement. So that's exactly a cultural yep. benefit from that. If I'm a leader and I'm leading people, how can I possibly expect them to have their best performance when I can't tell them objectively how they're doing and how I expect them to do other right. than work faster? Like that's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> so, and so well, when Simon Sinek to- talks about the infinite game and the finite game, right? And the point is, is well, you know, when you have companies with a vision of, well, we're going to grow or we're number one in what? Like, what does it mean? So what does it mean? Number yeah. one for the quarter? Number one, like, how are you slicing that data? It doesn't matter. And people don't, they have to be aligned with what the vision is. And the vision has to be clear. Like and just to grow way, for the sake of about, growth is not going to motivate anybody. And those are outcomes. Right. right. That's, that's, the, that's like, we're going to win this football game 35-7. Right. Okay. How? What plays right. you get on? What is that? Like exactly. all that. So, so what we're focused on is less the outcome because the business needs to drive their own outcomes. But you need to look at the process and the work that underpins getting to that outcome. So if you want to, I want to grow sales or we want to you know, increase margin or whatever that looks like, define the work to get there. And if it doesn't get measured, it doesn't get improved, right? So what right. we want to be able to do, and then again, this gets Mark back to your question, is begin to like show that work and then allow businesses to um, kind of define their path to getting to their goals. From that comes aligning teams. And from that comes ultimately, you know, the most um, critical uh, responsibility for any leader is building trust. And a lot of trust gets eroded when there isn't visibility in clear, honest communication in a in an empirical view of truth, right? And so we want to like do away with that and allow these well, businesses- Especially between management and, and line employees, right? Oh. Or however you want to say it, right? Like the more I like, I, I just see like in, in our own market, there are other markets like ours where like the sales team is not brought into other aspects. So there's certain employees that in, in our market, I want everybody at the table. I want everybody at the table. That way they can see it all. And that way, if you have a question and you, you want to complain about sales, not getting you back something, here they are. What are you doing? And so let's all ask you, why have you not done this? And they're like, well, it's because I've been waiting for this and I've been waiting That's for it. Like, That's it. Yeah. Ah, okay, now the truth bubbles up to the top. And yeah. and then we're all able to be like, oh, okay. And you walk away with very little, if no resentment. Everybody's in a better mood. The morale. And everything gets fixed. And everything got fixed. Like the yeah. client is happier. The, the culture is happier. You know. So we say dissolve silos. And that's effectively yeah, exactly. what you're talking about. And so I'll give you now an example from my previous life in the military and specifically in the special operations community where I saw and experienced that at massive scale globally. And now I brought that into how not only how I lead, but how we at Chassis are trying to deliver that with a product that empowers that in businesses. So um, as again, as an intelligence officer in the Navy, I was embedded with what's known as the Naval Special Warfare Development Group. It's called DevGrew for short. I am still uh, signed to non-disclosure agreements around, around a lot of that stuff. <laughs> we want to point that out, yes. Look, you, you've seen Zero Dark Thirty or Captain Phillips, and it's oh. that unit that's been made famous through a lot of that. So it was um, the most, in, in per my LinkedIn post that you brought up earlier on Veterans Day, the most formative experience of my life. Um, and it was an incredible honor and a privilege just to 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 serve there and be a, a very small part of the mission there. But one of the things we did there is we had um, not only Navy, but Army and Marine Corps and all of our um, uh, joint counterparts and then, you know, allied nations with people all over the world, not just Iraq and Afghanistan, but wow. you know, continent. And so imagine sinking those disparate teams, two person teams in a little tent somewhere, a team working with uh, civilian counterparts in an embassy somewhere, um, you know, a conventional unit that's working with us to take battle space in Western Europe, all those different teams. How do you synchronize that all the time? 
And so what we did at, at the Joint Special Operations Command, which um, who was run by General Stanley McChrystal at the time, who has now written a number of books, and yep. um, he pioneered what was called the ONI uh, uh, VTC Operations and Intel Video Teleconferencing. So four days a week for 90 minutes, everyone who had a dog in this fight, so to speak, would hop on a VTC and we'd all get together and every lead battle space owner, commander, leader, whatever, would have 30 seconds, 90 seconds, two minutes, whatever might be allocated, go through a slide or two and talk about, here's what's happening, here's what we're seeing the enemy do, here's what we're learning, here's what we need, over and over and over again. And I could sit there, whether I'm at home in Virginia or I'm in you know Ramadi in Iraq, and I would watch those and I get an appreciation for what's happening in Nairobi and what's happening in you know another hotspot around the right. world. And that was incredibly important because as you pointed out, that information sharing created context and clarity. So you you come out of your silo and you see what's happening across the global organization. And then you have what you need informationally in order to kind of um, orient around your respective mission, the resources you're gonna get or not get in order to execute it, et cetera. And that very act of doing that is not a very difficult thing to do, but it requires discipline and repetition and you need to build that in culturally and many businesses don't do that. And so as they grow or they acquire, those silos get more and more reinforced and harder and harder. And then it, it becomes almost sclerotic and it's very difficult to overcome that as your bigger business. That's amazing. So let me ask you this um, before we take a break and do a little brand culture trivia. Um, tell us about you know your time as a as a seal. Like were you, like one of the most motivating books I've ever. And actually, I listened to it as an audio book, and then I actually read it again. Um, was "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. Um, when, when, when I read that and the personal struggles that he went through, um, I just would look at my own life like, seriously, what am I <laughs> complaining about? Like, how weak am I? Like, get up, work out, let's go. Like, holy cow. Good. Um, he would love that. That's what he wanted, right? So, yeah. Um, I don't know David personally, but look, there's a saying that like even seals think Goggins is crazy. <laughs> uh, he so so, but the takeaway from that, um, you know, for your point about like his story and how he got to there, what I would submit to you again, not knowing him, but but getting a sense of the sentiment is, it's less about David. You got to go run ultra marathons overnight. More about whatever you do. Getting back to what we were saying earlier is like go fulfill your potential. Right. Go seek resistance physical, right. spiritual, intellectual, whatever it is, and overcome it. Because if the path is, I've always thought in my life, if the path is too easy, it's not worth taking. You need the path of more resistance. You need right? the path of more resistance. If you're right. doing something where people are getting a little upset, but it's in a good way, and you are pushing them to get better, and they might whine and they might bitch along the way, but you are getting them to overcome their own obstacles, that's the right thing to do and that's keep it. doing it every that's day. It. It's growth and it's basically fundamental to human nature. Yep. Right. So there's no stasis. Yep. You're either yeah. doing that and you're actively working toward that, or you're not. And that's why you see oftentimes people who have had a great deal of, of um, success, financial success in their work, end up trying to retire, as it were. And they they can't because you can't go from that high cortisol, high tempo, high purpose environment yeah. right. into when's my tea time every day. Like it doesn't compute. No. And, and, you know, evidence by Mike, who's like, uh, you know, I yeah. mentioned this one. He I can't quit to help himself. Dragon players have to slay dragons, right? And so if you have that in you and you want to pursue, become that best version of yourself and always move the goalposts. And so to, to, you know, David, your question about that, the community, the Naval Special Warfare community, um, every, every member, not just SEALs, but support people like I was and, and anyone who's involved in that is like, that's the ante. Right. That's not that's not special. That's that's just table stakes. Right. And and so, you know, well, it was phenomenal. Like how many would start and they said, oh, I'm going to be a seal. I'm going to be a seal. And only like a few even made. It. Well, no, what is it? It's less than one percent of the entire military force makes it as a seal. Is that right? I just heard that the other day. Actually, I, I'm not. I would imagine maybe even less than so like in the Navy, I think each class usually goes with like 250-ish 
um, uh, people who come in and then, you know, maybe 30-ish come out. So like it's wow. an 85 to 90% attrition rate. Yes. And then from there, you know, the ones who end up making it into uh, a platoon or teams, they do multiple deployments. And then to go to DevGrew, there's another 50% attrition rate. And so, wow. Yeah. Like, I thought I was cool because I passed the bar exam. Like I was like, a lawyer. <laughs> like because like, I, I, I remember the yep. professor first year going, look to your right, look to your left. Only one of you is going to make it through this. And I had made it through and I was like, I must be pretty tough, man. I can yep. be a Navy SEAL. And then I was like reading Goggins book and I'm like, I'm humiliated. Like I, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, let's look at the bar. Let's look at the bar exam, and then let's look at uh, Hell Week. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like 138 a hours of pure lawyers. terror. Like it can't be that hard. There's a million freaking lawyers. So, but any guy, freaking Navy SEALs. Any guy. So one, it's all relative. Two, any guy who's gone through that will tell you that that training is designed to test them to find where you will fail psychologically. Like right. that's ultimately what it is. And so, so you're looking for. They're looking for attributes personality right. attributes. There are Olympians who have failed that and they're great swimmers and all of that, but right. it's different when you haven't slept and you're cold and tired and that's what they say. And so like mm -hmm. those guys who do that and go through that, um, you know, how you, how they comport themselves and then what the kind of the sentiment is around the community to be able to be a part of that and to support that mission, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, a, it's a hell of a thing. It's intoxicating is how I describe it. And it's why I, I say after that I was ruined. Like I, I'm not employable. Like I couldn't. Right. <laughs> There's no way you could you could get a job and be bossed around by somebody <laughs> that is like, we need you to pick up the phone and make more cold calls to sell something. Like you'd be like, are you kidding me? Yeah, you like, see a lot of people out of that community get an entrepreneurship, and right. because it's like you know what, I would rather do my own thing. You'll build it better. You'll build it. You'll build it, and not only that, like. The, another expression, sorry, I got a lot of them, but like, yeah. it's, I would rather uh, deal with the stress that comes from pursuing my potential than the anxiety that comes from knowing I'm not. Absolutely. Ooh, wow. Right? I love that. Wow. That's going on our world. That was really good, Andrew. Yeah, I like that. That's a really good one. But that's what we're talking about here, right? So like, there I is no- some of your prior, uh, some of your quotes. And I, uh, I didn't see that one. I want that one. That was a one. That's pretty strong. That's important. It's so true too. That's what yeah. that's what makes it so strong. It's really stuff you hear from me is either like so Evie who runs our marketing, she calls it Zwisdom, like my last name. <laughs> and I say, no, it's just concepts or ideas I've learned or picked up from people smarter and more experienced than me. Right. Like, that's how it all works, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean we have a whole podcast because Simon Sinek wrote a book twelve years ago. And we just wanted to ask yeah, entrepreneurs, why? Yeah. Why did you do it? Why yeah. did you make a move? <laughs> Exactly That's right. what got started. Well, I want to talk about being a Navy SEAL, being in the FBI, but and what drove you to that, why, and then some other things about your childhood and your, your background. But first, let's take a break for something exciting. Oh, no. Something that will help you more than the Navy SEALs helped you, my friend. It's oh. going to help you more than the FBI. It is brand culture trivia. All right, so I'm in. Let's do the, uh, we'll do the intro right now. Boom. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome everyone to Brand Culture Trivia, where the points don't matter, but the brand does. In this segment, we play a trivia game against our guest. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, along with my co-host, David Morrow. David, tell us about the rules and the awesome prizes. Absolutely. The rules are as follows. You get to guess as fast as you can. You get as many answers as you want. And the first one to give the right answer wins a point. The first contestant to three points wins the game. What do you get if you win? Glad you asked. You get 14,684 Brandology bucks. That what is, is that worth? Those are absolutely worthless. But we might send you a sticker for playing. So let's get started with brand culture trivia. David, why don't you spin the wheel of trivia and see what our first question is? All right, here I go. It is a heavy, heavy wheel. And we're back. Okay, so we're going to do uh, brand culture trivia. So hang on, and then I'm going to load up the first question. Given the fact that we actually have a guest 
who is esteemed, right? And the fact, Mark, that he's actually listened to a prior episode. I can't, <laughs> I can't use some old questions. So <laughs> let me, uh, you know, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a uh, company slogan, and then you're going to give me the brand or product name. For example, Just Do It would be Nike, Adidas. right? Got Milk would be the Dairy Association, or if you want to be technical, the California Milk Processor Board. You don't have to be technical. Um, things like that. So let let you were playing against Mark, and you were playing for fourteen thousand eight hundred and sixty four brandology. <laughs> Man, will that really help chassis? <laughs> I'm telling you. Wow, high stakes. We got some high stakes. Program. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. All right. So I'm not going to do Maybelline because obviously you mentioned that you knew that one. So all right, I've got a, I've got a good one here. Um, it's more of a question. It's not a uh, a slogan. Merchandise Seven X is the secret ingredient for what product? This is question one. Merchandise Seven X is the secret ingredient for what product? I will give you a hint. It's a beverage. Oh. Bud Light. Coors Light. No. Fresca. Merchandise 7X. Fresca. Secret ingredient. Fresca. <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm not gonna get that. He always he always guesses things that are like 50 years old. <laughs> like a friend. Is it a is it a soft drink like a soda? It, it is. Oh, great drink. Great drink. Great drink is not a brand. Put the points yeah. on the board. Mr. Pibb. Oh, that's a great answer. <laughs> I do answer. like that one. That's good. That's a good answer. It's not right. It's not Dr. Correct. Pepper. Nope. Those are good answers because they, they say Mr. Pibb was in medical school like Dr. Pepper, but he failed out and never finished his degree. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's why he's Mr. Pibb. That's about right. right. Uh, Pepsi. Pepsi. Nope. So close. Uh, Tab. Oh, I'm going to just guess it's your Shasta Cola. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I'm going to hold that one. Okay, do that. I'm not going to get this. Yeah. You guys did. It was Coca-Cola. Oh, come on. I oh, knew Coca-Cola. It was sitting there. It was the 800-pound gorilla right in the room. Face. Yeah. All right. That's okay. Let's keep going. All right. What's in your wallet? Oh, Capital One. Brutal. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And Can we get a ruling on the uh, Andrew, I don't think you were even finished with the you, question. Like, he, did, he hit the buzzer like he almost broke the <laughs> All right, it is one nothing. It is one nothing. All right, here, let's do this one. Mm. All for freedom, freedom for all. All for freedom, freedom for all. Is this I mean, a consumer package good, or is this something else? Could you could you use it in a sentence in the form of a verb? Yes. Here here's the here's the sentence. The slogan for this company is <laughs> "All for Freedom, Freedom for All." It is a mode of transportation. Uh, Southwest Airlines. Ooh. Delta. No, it's not Air an airlines. Air Emirates. It's not an airline. Air Emirates. So keep naming airlines, Mark. It's not Amtrak? an airline. Nope. Good guess, though. Uh, it's a brand, though. It's a well-known brand. Chevy. Let me give you a hint. This brand is so well-known, and they've done such a good job, that people have gotten the logo tattooed on their bodies. Oh, Cadillac. It's not Chevy. It's Cadillac. Who the hell has a Cadillac tattoo? I do. That's a complex logo to get it tattooed on. Yeah. That's cost me like 200 bucks. That thing would Ford really or Chevy. I've seen those tattoos. Because <laughs> yeah. that's a good look. <laughs> that's a good look when you got a Chevy tattoo on you. I, I came into this game so confident, David, and now I'm, I'm so I'm, surprised you're not cleaning up on this one. Especially I was when I was listening to the episodes. Because right? you know Michael Stramaglio. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he loves this brand. Oh, that might have given it away. Oh, Harley? Harley Davidson. Yes. Oh. I realized I just gave it away. Thank you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I owned one and I didn't even remember that. That's <laughs> awesome. But you know, he does his, um, does he do it this time of year? He does his veterans ride 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The West Coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah just right across right. the country. Yeah. yeah. Thunder is historically May Memorial Day time frame. Uh, okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just, just weather. Yeah, because it's November right now. It's really not time to be getting on a bike across the country. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah. Normally, I mean, right now the weather's pretty good, but generally. Historically, it would be bad. Okay, it's two to nothing. So this is the point where I point out some obvious math for Mark. 100,000 times. Dude, if you had 100,000 times what you have right now, you would have zero. Mark, uh, Andrew would still be beating you. So come on, man. You Usually you, you clock in a couple. I right. tell you, my, my addiction to the Cartoon Network obviously is not not helping me with yes. <laughs> culture and branding. I only had branding. a pane of glass to show you what you're doing during the day. <laughs> <laughs> Cartoon Network would not be part of hey, it. Hey, man, Ren and Stimpy are is very enlightening. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, here's one. The snack that smiles back at you. Ooh. Oh, I know. Oh, it. I just saw this. Um, the fish. Goldfish. Oh, holy cow. Yeah, I just saw the commercial. I didn't realize the gold. Two to one. That was like a staple, you know, part of the food pyramid for my children, and I I didn't never realize they had a smile. Pour that in the kids' snack cup too often, and shame on me for not jumping on it. It's okay. Congratulations (laughs) on that that point, Mark. I will remind you it is Veterans Day. It won't be a shutout here today. Yeah, if you do do beat him, I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure he can do that, like, with his death grip, just through the lens, like like they taught him something. Let's have a softball. Let's have a big, meaty softball (laughs) with this next one. That's good. All right. Wow. There's so many. Um, mm, okay. Good to the last drop. Nestle. Uh, no, no, Nestle coffee. No. Uh, 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 what's the Nestle? Folgers. Uh, instant coffee. Folgers. Uh, is it Nescafe? That's right. Folgers. So close. We got to get the brand, though. It's good to the last drop. You guys are so close. Um, oh. Donuts. What would you say? Maxwell House. Yes! Yes! Oh, that's what I said. So the great part about this game is you guys don't penalize for wrong guesses like No. No. (laughs) (laughs) That that would be a whole podcast in itself then. That would be, yeah, that would be really, uh, that would be a... Boy, it's harder when it's harder when you know it counts rather than just listening to it as a guest. Yeah, right? (laughs) When the pressure's on. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it, I always have to find new ones. Well, uh, congratulations, Andrew. You are the proud winner of 14864 Brandology Bucks. I won't spend it all in one place. No. Once you, the e-commerce get, site is back up, oh, then you can go shopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's down right that. now. So It's like at the arcade when you're a kid and you got to collect all those tickets to get one little stuffed animal. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what it's like. Right. 7,000 exactly tickets for a lollipop ring. Oh, oh, exactly. 4,000 tickets, which is like 80 bucks worth just to get this lollipop ring. Which boy, inflation <laughs> hits hard, doesn't it? Yes. That's excellent. Hey, everybody. Uh, Mark and I are really excited about the upcoming episode with Brian Scudamore, CEO and founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK and many other brands. He is well-known. He's been on Oprah. He's been in Forbes magazine. He's written Wall Street Journal articles. You know his brands. We can't wait for you to meet him and have access to all of his wisdom in terms of culture and branding. As always, thank you for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe and download all of our episodes so that you get notice. And don't miss the upcoming episode with Brian Scudamore. So, uh, yeah, I'm checking right now. Here, let me check. Nope, the e-commerce site is still down. Right, right we're now. Yeah. But uh, but our but our guys are working. Tony, you're working on it. Yeah, they're they're working on it. So <laughs> that's good. So let let's get back to the interview. Um, Tell us, like, why did you go first go into the Navy in, uh, in the first place? Yeah, I so I graduated college. I went to a small uh, school called Bowdoin College in uh, Southern Maine, a little liberal arts college. I played football yeah. there. And um, I graduated spring of 02. So se- September okay. 11th happened fall uh, semester, my, my senior year. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was, that was it. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, right. yep. um, and yeah, you know, I just, you know, at the time, so we talk about why and purpose. And I was like, I was not, 
not even remotely motivated by a paycheck. And yeah. this is, you know, right after um, uh, kind of financial crisis and the economy starting to recover type of thing. And I'm like, I'm not going to go, you know, work on Wall Street, sell insurance, do whatever. Like I, I wanted to, like something's happening and this is the defining event of, of my generation. And when I'm yeah. 65 years old, should I be fortunate enough to live that long? I want to look back and be like, hey, I joined and I did something, right? So that was kind of the impetus. Um, and so I went I went in the Navy. Again, I, I became an intelligence officer. I was a real geopolitical nerd. Um, and so like I'm the 19 year old kid in college who's reading books on like the Russian invasion of like Chechnya and Grozny and stuff. <laughs> yeah. The Bolshevik that revolution. I wanted to experience history, right? I wanted to not just see the world, but I wanted to yeah. see the entire continuum of humanity, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and further, I wanted to be in a team. I played team sports my whole life and I love the idea of being in a team and I want to be surrounded by people who would, you know, make me aspire to be a better version of my all the stuff yeah. you're just talking about. Be right? part of something bigger than yourself. Exactly. And so I joined um you know I went through Officer Canada School, became an intelligence officer. I, I did a first deployment on an aircraft carrier in 04 in the Gulf, and then I moved to Korea for a year in Seoul. So, um, so I lived in Korea, um, monitoring the you know the North Korean threat, as it were. Um, and as a, I'm a Cold War buff nerd, however you want to put it, too. So like that's the last real vestige of the Cold War, like you know, yep. still alive and breathing today, and that's fascinating. Um, and then I screened successfully for Dev Group. Um, and that's a, you know, pretty rigorous vetting process and then you get there. So I got there in the fall of 06 and I was embedded with an assault squadron and January of 07, well, I did, you know, there's a couple months of training and stuff. Um, and then you're in Iraq and then for the next few years, it's just go, go, go. They call it like, wow, first wheel. it just, you know, I did a number of deployments from 07 through 09 um, to both Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, you know, and then you come back and you get, you know, a little time off and then you just start training and preparing again and then you go again and again. And were you so at this time or no, so that's the thing my wife and I say, like, if we were dating then it would it would have been because you're just gone like, all, all the time. Yeah. And and so two thousand nine timeframe, um, and at this command officers usually spend a few years and then you gotta get rotated out. I'm like, I don't wanna go back to big navy. So I decided to get out at that time. I was about 30 and I'm like, you know, at some point I want to settle down, you know, have a normal life, not be gone all the time. Yeah. It, it takes a toll. Like it really does. I know guys sure have 14, 15 deployments and it's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, so then I went to the FBI and I, I wasn't ready to go in the private sector at the time. So um, uh, I was choosing between the FBI and the CIA. Oh, wow. I worked quite a bit with agency folks overseas and bureau folks. Right. And not only the lifestyle of the agency, but, you know, you kind of have to, particularly if you're living undercover, you just have to lie to everyone all the time. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want that. So, um, and I wanted to live largely domestically. So I became an agent, went to the Bureau. Um, I got assigned down to Miami field office and I um, was working what's called counterintelligence cases. Um, so what that means is, is, you know, you hear about kind of a cloak and dagger, you know, collecting yeah. information and blah, blah. So right. you think of a coin with two sides, the offensive side of the coin is, you know, intelligence and there's different disciplines. The right. defensive side is what's called counterintelligence. So okay. what I was responsible for is working cases where um, hostile foreign intelligence security services or even from allied nations are trying to, you know, take secrets out of defense contractors and academia and the government and stuff like that. Um, and so it's methodical work and, 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 and it can almost be described as a bit plotting. So remember, I come from a war zone where every night by sunup, you know, you're going out and there's a bad guy is either in your detention facility or dead the next morning. And you're like, you're OK, you're going, going and going. So to go into that environment where, OK, I could work cases for years without an arrest. A, a buddy of mine described as like a 10 speed downshift. Yeah, and, that would be a yeah. hard downshift. Yeah, and and again, there's I have great friends at the bureau to this day. There's remarkable people who do incredible work there, but I just I'm like, okay, I'm not I'm not going to spend 20 years here, giving my pound of flesh, kind of pushing this boulder uphill against the bureaucracy of the Department of Justice. Right. It just wasn't for me, and so that's when I went in entrepreneurship. So again, about 10 years ago, um, 
And I joined with uh, a buddy at the time who was in Miami, who we came in the Navy together. And he's like, hey, I started this S Corp and I'm gonna do a security business. And I joined him and, you know, two guys, we, we kind of that quintessential from a, you know, a basement in his house started building a business. Right. So I spent seven years at the name of the business was Prescient. Um, I'm still on the advisory board there, but but the uh, the business was effectively doing a lot of uh, security and consulting services, not only for the government, but also commercial multinationals. We were the um, on uh, Inc. 500, we're the 18th fastest growing privately held company in, in the country in 2014. Um, two guys grew to three to five to 10 to, to 50 to almost 100 people. That's, um, that's massive growth. Yeah, raised, raised, you know, raised outside money, built a board. So like my, I got my MBA experientially, right? Oh, like yeah, I, right I didn't go to school. Yeah. I, I learned how to build a business. Um, and that, you know, that's what I did, you know, by and large, a lot in the Navy is what's called um, OJT, on the job training. Just immerse yourself in it and you either drown or you figure out how to swim. <laughs> and so, wow. so, you know, I did that. And then about uh, three, four years ago, um, that business we were looking at potentially merging, um, you know, and I'm invested. And I'm like, hey, now's a good time to step away. So my wife, who we met in D.C., um, she's from Arizona where I live now, went to Arizona State. I have family here. We're like, let's just get out to Arizona. So moved out here. And I looked at that as an inflection point in my life, in my, my career, where I basically said, okay, what do I want to do with the rest of my days? And this is, this is advice I would give, you know, anyone who's listening, if you find yourself an inflection point in your life. You know, I, I looked at everything I did in my life at that point, uniform, badge, you know, civilian, whatever. And you strip to the studs, you look at what is thematically consistent across all of those things that that moved me and made me want to like run out of bed in the morning and attack the day. Your why. And and, and, and why, right? And so that is where I develop my personal maxim of solving heart problems with incredible people under very challenging circumstances. Because that's what DevGrew was. Mm -hmm. and, wow. and, and even on a couple of days in the FBI that were good, that's what it looked like. And that's what a startup was. Yep. So in my mind, it was clear. I'm like, I need to get right back into a startup. I need to build something hard. I need to learn. And having not come from a software or a product or even a sales background, you know, I, I, I wanted, I knew I wanted to get into technology. And, you know, on the outside looking in, you'd be like, you don't write code. You don't do this, 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 what the hell? And, you know, how could you possibly be so audacious to think that you can go run a software business? And I look at it, do it every day. Right. <laughs> how can I do it every day? We don't, we don't have any That's it. You just go, you just go and you do and you learn, yep. right. right? And, and you leverage your willpower and your learning velocity and yep. you immerse yourself in something and you try to make progress every yep. single day. And you, you I just find it's connecting dots. As soon as you you learn one piece and then you see nothing something else and you connect that and technology is a, a wonderful way to scale anything right it's, it's so, a way to like leveraging advances in technology is a way to scale something right so, like i'm holding up my phone i don't know if the camera is gonna be out for this but like the world's worth of information exists in this device in our pockets yeah and shame on us if we don't take the initiative to right. go out and seek answers whether it's blogs and podcasts or youtube exactly. videos any of that like this right any of that stuff it's out there and my question is how do they teach college at this point like how in the world, yeah. how do you teach college because when i went to school we did not have this if and then to get people this, to pay that much like, for dude, yeah. I, anything you have to say professor i got it right here <laughs> i can well, fact like, check you I in about 10 seconds in school i could find out in like 10 seconds totally like yeah. i don't know how they how they do that now but that's for that's for a different podcast episode, apparently. So, so that's the meandering journey of how I made it through all of that to get to the software startup. Um, yeah. To close the loop, when I moved to Arizona, I met a gentleman who's our our founder and executive chairman named Brad Janenga. Um, wonderful guy, incredibly successful. He uh, built um, a very successful business here called WebPT. Yeah. And I met him when I moved to town. We kind of hit it off, you know. And, and my question to him was like, "Hey, what's next?" like we talked about and and that was where you know he had this vision from what he did there that was the foundation for what chassis has become today um that's so, great yeah that's excellent well hey uh thank you so much for your time today especially, yeah especially. we're gonna we're gonna have to do a part two 
yeah. and bring you back because I know we're going to get email after email from the listeners like, so why didn't you ask about this? Why didn't you make them talk about this? Why didn't you sit <laughs> with this? So we're going to definitely have to bring you back. This won't be the last time we talk, without a doubt. Um, so it, it, I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your service. Um, I, I always like to ask at the end. I always have the same question for uh, for our guests. And it seems a little silly with the, all the achievements you've made in life and somebody that's gone through buds to ask them, you know, a lighthearted question. But when you were a little boy, what did you want to be when you grew up? I, it depends on what age. When I was, <laughs> so between five to 10, I wanted to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> and I've never heard that. That is interesting. That's oh, a first. Like those movies, man, like oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then after that, I thought I was going to be either an architect or an orthopedic surgeon. Wow. Like, ah, high school. And I think, okay. I think the thing that my mom points out is like, I always played with puzzles. I always built intricate Legos. I did stuff with my hands. I wanted to kind of interesting. She told me when I left the Navy, went to the FBI, she's like, you're not going to last. You're going to end up building something. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, mom. I don't know. And here I am. And how, how, <laughs> yeah, look what you know, done. Yeah. Mom knows. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's shocking how right they are often. Yes. That's so, right. That's great. Hey, thank, thank you, guys. you so much. Andrew, it is an absolute pleasure. Uh, I we promise you this; it's not going to be our. If you will allow it, it won't be. Our I, I'd be happy to. You you name the time and place. I'm there. It's been a lot of I want a, I want a rematch. I want a rematch. That is a grudge match. It's a grudge match. Well, thank you for all that you've done for the country, and we wish you the best of luck in your business. And I'm sure we'll be we'll be following it anyway. But we will we will talk soon, my friend. Thank you, gentlemen. All Appreciate right. Thanks, cool. Andrew. Have a great night. Take care, bud. Happy uh, Veterans Day. Thank you, sir. See you guys. Mark and I want to take a moment and thank everyone that listens and subscribes to our podcast. It means a lot. We're truly trying to make this one that we ourselves would find interesting and find entertaining. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas for subjects, great brands that have risen and fallen, great case studies, or fantastic guests that you'd like to see, please reach out to us, staff at gmail.com. That's staff at gmail.com. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening. 